Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Monday, November 11th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by my co-host, John DeShazer, and we're joined today by a special guest, Saints legend and the voice of the New Orleans Saints, Zach Streif. Zach, how are you doing, big big guy? I'm doing great. Thanks, y'all, for having me on this slightly depressing Monday morning. <laughs> well, this, this won't be depressing because we know, I- I've seen film footage from like years ago where you were doing the hip thing way before – before Dak so are you the guy who taught him that yes absolutely <laughs> really you know I, I mean Drew's been doing that for years and years right I mean that's I mean I've seen I've seen Drew do that constantly so I think obviously those guys uh, work very hard on creating rotational momentum with their lower bodies and now somebody's put it to music so it's a thing <laughs> well I got to tell you I cracked my pelvis just watching it so <laughs> there's that <laughs> Zach, like you said, unfortunately, it's uh, not the best day for the Saints. Obviously, the, they lost the Atlanta Falcons yesterday, 26-9. to nine. Uh, Kind of unexpected, but it was just one of those days, as, as Sean Payton and Drew Brees said yesterday, that nothing seemed to go in the Saints' favor and everything went in the Falcons' favor. They just had the better games, point blank, period. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look really top to bottom in that football game and you say, you know, that when you talk about the things that you have to do to be successful in the National Football League, you talk about converting third downs, you talk about not penalizing yourself, um, you know, you talk about uh, being good in the red zone and coming away with touchdowns, uh, you know, none of those things happened yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those games you can kind of look at a stat line and say, yeah, this didn't go real well. Um, and I think, you know, the, the bigger – uh, kind of well. First of all, the fact that it's against the Atlanta Falcons hurts a little bit more, right? So mm-hmm. that's that 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 causes things to be a little bit worse. It's a divisional game, uh, which makes it a little bit worse, and it's coming off of a bye week. And you know, for a team that had been on such a hot streak there for six weeks, you know, the bye comes, you get guys healthy, you're excited about what that bye does for you, and then you come out of that bye week and and you put a performance like that on the field is disheartening. So uh, obviously, you know, it's a tough day. Uh, for for the for the guys, um, this is a tough day for the fans, and um, certainly one that I think everybody will be itching to uh, to, to flush and, and kind of wipe out of our system. You know, Zach, was it was it a situation where you can pinpoint a thing, or was it kind of an an avalanche of small things? You see the twelve penalties for ninety yards, and then you know you you get into a time of possession issue where the Saints can't really retain the ball and can't you know, get into an offensive flow or defensively, as you mentioned, can't get off the field and you have, you know, several hands to the face penalties. Was it one thing or was it just an avalanche of small things? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, J.D., I think it's a kind of an avalanche of, of medium to large size things. You know, I think sometimes that, that kind of nomenclature of like little things is maybe uh, maybe misused a little bit in that it's a big deal to give up a first down by penalty. Yeah. That's a big mistake. You yeah. know, that's something that – what happened five times yesterday? Yeah. It didn't happen once in a big moment. It happened five times. And, you know, it's a big deal to give up six sacks in a football game. And, and you know, something that doesn't happen very often, especially to a team that hadn't had any success getting to the quarterback, and especially with the line that you have. So, you know, there's some big things that happen. But when you really look at it, yeah, it's a compound of a lot of stuff. So, you know, the game opens up. And, and I think from the very first drive, you're saying, man, this feels different. The way that the Atlanta Falcons ran the football on the first drive, they come away with 67 yards on the ground on the first drive. Had, had teams all over the place. Obviously a good plan 
coming in, and obviously Atlanta saw something defensively that they thought um, that they could do. You saw a lot of uh, what we would have called like a text block, uh, where you got a lot more pullers, and they're kind of cutting the defense in half a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, they did a really good job with that. Now, defensively, they really settled down against the, the run. Um, it wasn't until really late in that football game that they found success again on the ground after that first drive. But, um, you know, then you get the ball back offensively, and after, you know, Atlanta goes on this really long scoring drive, you get the ball back, you drive down, you stall in the red zone, um, you know, which has been a problem all season long. You know, the Saints have not been uh, really good in the red zone and quite honestly weren't great in the red zone last year either. Um, but, but more than anything, you just never saw that rhythm offensively. I, I actually think the defense played a good football game. They were put in some really bad positions late in that game that, that you know, added up to a couple of scores. I still thought they played well defensively, only gave up just over 300 yards uh, total in that football game. And, but offensively, we just could not get into a rhythm. The penalties, the, the sacks, the negative plays, we couldn't get uh, you know, the ground game going consistently. Uh, you kind of look back and say, well, they ran the ball pretty well, and yet it's one of those games, like in terms of average per rush, but it's one of those games where you just couldn't get enough runs on the field. You couldn't stay on the field long enough um, to get that going, and that ultimately is really going to negatively affect you in the passing game as you get later in the football game. As an offensive lineman, when you spend the entire game going backwards Mm. to block people, it's very difficult as the game gets late to successfully do that. It's just not easy to do. I mean, it's the same, you know, you go back and you look at the, you know, the Chicago game and, you know, the Bears don't run the football in that football game and you just watch, you know, Trubisky spend the entire second half under pressure. Well, it's hard to successfully pass block when all you're doing is going backwards. And they were never able to get into enough of a rhythm to possess the ball to get the running game going in the first place. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of things that contributed to it. Um, and yet I think a lot of those things are, are, you know, I hope and I know that those guys in the building realize, man, those are big things that we can't do anymore if we're going to get to where, you know, we want to get to. You know, Zach, as a former offensive lineman, was that the alarming part of it to to see the the line not have success against a, a defense again that hadn't rushed the quarterback particularly well? Because, you know, we're, we've grown accustomed during the winning streak to seeing this team, you know, especially on the offensive and defensive lines, kind of dominate people and hadn't seen one of these maybe since the Rams game. And, you know, there was kind of an alarm after that game and they responded extremely well. But, you know, to, to fall back into it yesterday, I guess, was, you know, for me, as big a surprise as anything. Sure. I think, uh, you know, with as well as those guys have played up front, you just expect that every week, right? You expect to see that type of performance every single week. And, you know, not, not to make excuses in this, but you have a left tackle uh, who who is uh, obviously not at 100%, um, you know, had, had the flu and, and looked like it, you know, and you, you lose your left guard, you know, your left guard and you bring in a guy and, for the amount of pass protecting they were doing and the amount of games they were getting, it's harder when it's two guys that don't play next to each other every day. Yeah. You know, passing a game in the National Football League probably takes – it's probably the aspect of playing offensive line that takes the most amount of, uh, of, of rapport with the guy next to you because it is a lot of times a blind pass. And it's, you have to know how far you have to go and you have to have a feel for, uh-oh, I'm too deep here. You know, I know I got to – I got to, you know, fix the position that I'm in. And, you know, when it's a new guy, uh, you know, that can, that can affect you. But more than anything, again, you know, when you talk about the sacks, 
you're going to give up sacks in a game that you can't run the football. And, and, you know, it's kind of part of it. I mean, again, there's four sacks at the end of that football game, right? Four sacks when the saints are, you know, there's a third and 16 in there. Yeah. Well, you're getting a lot of games. If, if target one and target two aren't open and, and you're trying to find your third and fourth guy in the read, uh, you know, sacks are going to happen. And so, you know, uh, it, it's, I don't think that it's very easy to look at, at a game like that and say, well, the offensive line is, was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the offensive line did not play well, but they also are not alone in that failure. And, you know, again, there's, there's things that both the Saints did poorly and that the Falcons did well, um, you know, that, that contribute to that. Well, Zach, we're kind of in the thick of the division battle here, and it's not going to get any easier. With this loss, we, we've said that pretty much everything that could have gone wrong for the Saints went wrong. But does it worry you at all now that we're kind of in the thick of the division battle, or are you pretty confident in the Saints moving forward? I mean, I feel great about the Saints moving forward. You know, this isn't like it's, – it's not – And I'll be all. I think it's really hard. Of course, you know, what's really hard, I think, for someone who's never been – in the position that's never been, you know, in the building. One of the things that uh, and I've been thinking about this all morning, how do you, how do you verbalize or explain to somebody how these things happen, right? How does that game happen yeah. uh, in the national football league? And, you know, here's the reality. And, and some people might not love the reality, but this is reality and this is human nature. The hardest thing about being a professional athlete is finding a way to get yourself mentally to the level you have to be at emotionally to the level that you have to be at to be successful at this level. There's a lot of guys on that field that have a ton of talent. Talent isn't never going to be their problem, right? Talent's never going to be why they can't do something. Um, There's going to be games where the situation takes you in a way where maybe you're not as productive. Again, if you're a running back yesterday and you only run the ball 11 times, you're not going to have a lot of yardage. And yet the hardest thing to do, is to have yourself at that level of, of mental acuity and emotional uh, kind of availability that you have to have to win a football game at that level. And I think what you see yesterday is a team that had more guys not get to that point than they did have get to that point. And that's a dangerous thing. And, and I've been in locker rooms many times as a player where you're in the locker room and you're like, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. You don't, you can't quite put your finger on it. You can't say, you know, sometimes it's even hard if you notice, and I've done this where, where you notice, man, this isn't right. This is not how this locker room is supposed to feel right now. Sometimes it's hard to even verbalize it and get guys out of that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know why, but that is what has to happen for a team to win every football game, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. Uh, again, I've sat in locker rooms in St. Louis going to play an 0-8 football team in the Rams and sit in the locker room and look around and say it just doesn't feel right. Guys aren't – they're not here. And, and you know, as much as you wish that that was a switch you could turn on, it's not. It takes place over 48 hours. It's your mentality the night before on Friday. I mean – it's, it's a really interesting and, quite honestly, strange aspect of professional sports because you can't see it. But you can feel it, and nobody can feel it but the people that are in that locker room. And so it's a hard thing to explain and verbalize, 
But that's what I see on that team yesterday. That's what I see out of the Saints, and that's why I'm not worried moving forward because I don't think that this team is not as good as we thought they were. I think they have been awoken to the fact that any given Sunday they have to be mentally and emotionally ready to play at the level that they've been playing at. And maybe, you know, it's easier when you're down a major piece on your team. Maybe it's easier to, to feel that way. Maybe it's easier when you have, you know, Alvin Kamara out and Jared Cook out and Trey Quan out and you're kind of, man, our backs are against the wall. We're down a lot of people. You know, we got we to gotta fight our way out of this corner. Maybe it's easier then. You know, those are real realities. And, again, that's human nature. Um, but, you know, it's, it is also a moment where a team can realize that, where a team can say, okay, I remember what that felt like before that game. I'm not going to let that happen again. And so I think there'll be growth from it, and I think they'll be better moving forward. And I certainly think as they head out to Tampa Bay, that team's going to be in a very different mind space walking out on that field than they were, you know, yesterday. Zach, I promise you, I, I will not blow smoke. That is one of the best answers I've yeah, ever had, heard in my life. <laughs> and if I could, I would put it in the four corners of the city and put it on loudspeakers because that's one of the best best answers I, I've, I've ever had heard to any question ever uh, in any situation. <laughs> um, now, it, be, it being the Falcons, is it just hard to say? Because yesterday, Caroline, you know, she asked me in the – in the press box, she was like, no, 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 no serious. She was like, well, what's going on? And I said, I said, the other guys get paid too. And she thought I was just kind of being snarky, which I have been known to be. But, no. you know, sometimes you've got to just say, you know what, the other guys get paid too and, and there's some talent over there. I mean, what was, you know, obviously there's a bit of that. And, and, you know, could you get a sense, it's hard to say what the other team is thinking, but could you get a sense Obviously, that the Falcons are saying, you know what, we'd like nothing better than to beat this team of, of all teams. We might not win another one, but we like this one. Yeah, I mean, listen. First of all, when the fact the Falcons were one and seven going into that football game was mind blowing to me. Yes. When you look at that roster and you look at the amount of talent that's on that football team, you go, "How?" I mean, I'm not saying they should be undefeated, but they sure as heck shouldn't be one and seven. Yeah. Now they are. Right, and you are what your record is, and that is what it is. But um, so there's plenty. There's more than enough talent on that football team to beat you. And I, I don't think there's anyone in that locker room that didn't feel that way. I, I really don't. I don't believe that those guys watch tape all week long and see the things some of those players are capable of. There's not a guy in the Saints locker room that doesn't respect Deion Jones and yeah. how good of a football player he is, or Grady Jarrett, or Devondre Campbell. There's not a guy in that locker room that doesn't say oh, those guys are those guys can play. Yeah. Right. So. That's not I, – I don't think that that's part of that mental side of it. Um, I think that there's certainly – again, you talk about the emotions and, you know, what do you find as a catalyst week to week to motivate your players to get them, you know, ready to play? And that's – you know, they talk about, you know, bulletin board material and all those things. And I think that plays a small role in it. But I think it's also a little bit bigger than that. Um, you know – there's, there's so many things that go into preparing for a game like that, but what happened in that game, in my opinion, is they put together a game plan and they walked out on the first drive of the game and it worked. And it gave the entire team, you know, that's, that's a team that you say you don't want to let them hang around. Yeah. Right? Because they are talented enough to beat you. Yeah. You want them to feel quickly like, here we go again. 
And that's not what happened in that football game. They go into halftime, they're up, right? And and it's a more dangerous football team suddenly. So, you know, now, again, a lot of this is also, it's not all emotion. It's also giving up sacks and having penalties, restart drives, and, you know, I mean, all those things that, that, that happened in that football game. It's not like with just emotion you could win. The Saints could have not been as emotional uh, and won that football game if they didn't make as many mistakes as they did. So it all kind of plays in. But, I mean, the statement of they get paid too is 100% true. Yeah. Absolutely. There are no bad football teams in the National Football League. There's teams with bad records. But all those teams, even the bad teams, have good players on them that can beat anybody on any given day. I think JD gets tired of sitting next to me in the press box because I'm the worst because I'm used to bas- I'm used to basketball where like usually one way or another you know how the game is going, you know who's going to win or if not it comes down to the clutch time. It's not kind of all of this game build up. And so every other second I'm looking at JD, should I be nervous? Zach, you have should no I idea my pain. None. None at all. <laughs> well, listen, you know, you look at basketball and basketball is so different, right? And you can tell basketball is different even by how the business of basketball works basketball is a sport that is player driven right right there there are there are players that are just better that are more valuable that create winning teams that is way harder to do in football because there's not 10 guys on the field there's 22 Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people can cause issues on an offensive possession a bad offensive player you could just put them in the corner, right? Right. Go stand over there and, and try and <laughs> move a guy halfway out of the box for us, right? Just yeah. Stay, just don't do anything. Don't mess up. Well, that, that's an, that doesn't work in the National Football League, right? And in football in general, it doesn't work like that. It takes every single guy. And so, you know, it's, there's so many more moving pieces, and there's, it's so much less predictable because of that. Because at any given time, any one of those 11 guys on either side of the ball can cause a play to go well or poorly. And and so it's yeah it's it's way it's way harder. I think that's why fans are so passionate about football because there is that sense of I don't know exactly what's going to happen today. We got to wait and see. Which yeah, when you watch some basketball games, some teams you're like yeah, well, it's just a matter. I mean that team's going to win. There's just way too much talent. Well, Zach, I, I promise you this, my friend. The next home game, she will be in the radio booth with you and Deuce. I I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> you can come on in. <laughs> I'm going to transcribe that answer and tell JD every time, listen, I'm just passionate, okay? That's all it is. It's just the passion right. seeping That's through right. my pores. Right. Well, Zach, we appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, good luck the rest of the, the day, and we look forward to next week and seeing what the Saints put on the field. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Zach. Thanks to Zach for joining us on the show today. Thank you for our passionate fans for listening to today's show. For our passionate fans, if you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data and more plus every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence best of all our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app use code GOSAINTS at checkout SeatGeek score the best deals on tickets again thanks to Zach for joining us on the show today thanks to John DeShazer for his always insightful analysis of the game yesterday today's show was presented by SeatGeek you can tune in on Wednesday we'll have another show for you all and of course Download the Saints app and make sure you're following at Saints on social media. All right, for Caroline Gonzalez, thanks for listening.